0: welcome i've seen something plays tricks on your mind this is no coincidence put on your seatbelts. you are on the fastest route to your destination the other side hello and welcome to destination other side the podcast that puts the pa in paranormal my name's mackie and thanks for joining me for episode number 17. i'm glad to be here with you again and i would like to throw it out there as i often do if you have any paranormal experiences and you live in Pennsylvania, maybe there's a topic you'd like me to cover, or maybe you would like to appear on the podcast here with me talking about something you know a lot about. Just let me know. Email me at mackey at wkva920.com anytime, and I'll be happy to hear from you. So today's episode is going to be a little bit of a medley of shorter stories and urban legends. I often really love the long, drawn-out stories that I can write about and talk about until the cows come home, but I think it's time we pay some attention to the smaller stories and have some fun with them, too. So with that, I think it's time we get into it. I found this first story when I was researching the storm hag of Lake Erie a couple episodes back, if you remember that one. This story stems from some local folklore retold by the freelance author S.E. Schlosser. From what I've read, I really love the way that she writes and she's made a bunch of books about spooky things in all kinds of different states, so I highly recommend checking her out as I probably will here in the near future. This first tale is of the Goblin of Easton, Pennsylvania, coincidentally the same area in which we landed last episode for Getters Island. I hope I'm not painting a sinister picture of Easton here because it's a really cool place otherwise. The true origins of the story are generally pretty unknown, probably from a very, very long time ago, but the legend described a famous, or in this case, infamous, monk. This monk would spend his time at the missionary collecting confessions just like any other holy man would, but this guy started to think to himself, hey, there's a lot of vulnerable people here and these guys have some pretty juicy secrets, maybe I can do something with this. So that he did. During his normal sessions, he would often take confessions from poor people, destitute people, just folks who genuinely needed some guidance. But there was a small group of people who attended these confessions that happened to be very, very wealthy. So they would come to this monk who swore to keep their dirty little secrets safe from outside ears. But of course, this came at a price. Soon the monk was swimming in gold and silver. He was pretty content with his blackmailing ways. So things naturally only started to get worse when he kept taking advantage of people. People realized that these confessions were getting really strange. So not only was this monk demanding money, but on top of that, he would encourage people to act on their impulses, telling them basically, hey, we're all sinners. God forgives everything. Just pray and you're all good. Go hog wild. So in retrospect, he was probably sending these people to hell a lot faster than they could run. Not only would he do this, but he would also reveal these very private secrets to the public in order to ruin these people's reputations. Cheating, lying, stealing, it all came out. But it wasn't very smart to be telling people this because people figured out pretty quickly that this monk was to blame. I mean, who else are they telling their deepest, darkest, most shameful secrets to? So that was mistake number one. Mistake number two came next. I don't really know what happened between people figuring out his lies and then what happened next, but my best guess is that this monk was confronted by someone for his wrongdoings because it's said that he ended up beating an old woman to death. Shortly after he was imprisoned for his crimes of blasphemy, lying, stealing, murder, the list goes on, he was sentenced to death by hanging, and so it went. Except right after it happened and they cut the noose from his body, he began to twist and transform and mutate into this gruesome creature. It's said that tusks grew from his face. He contorted into a goblin-like creature. His hair grew long and greasy. Claws grew from his fingers and toes. And his eyes turned a bright yellow-green color. And, you know, of course, with any hanging, there was a crowd of people. So as they witnessed this, they're just in hysterics, screaming, running around, totally freaked out. So all the townspeople fled. But the fellow monks at the missionary immediately tried to help. So they blessed the goblin, prayed for him, tried to exercise him, really whatever it took. But unfortunately, nothing seemed to work. The goblin ran from his former colleagues and vanished into the nearby woods, thought to maybe have died in there somewhere, but in the night, the goblin would emerge to find the other monks that exposed his crimes and led him to his death. One by one, the missionary brothers began to fall victim until there were five in total found dead. So at this point, it was fruitless trying to get rid of the goblin, so the surviving members of the missionary ended up leaving the building, moving to different parts of the country for their own safety, after that, the goblin retreated back to the woods and the missionary building fell to ruin after years of remaining abandoned. No holy men would ever return to that eastern building, fearful that they would be terrorized by the goblin. Now, S.E. Schlosser also writes of a troop of British soldiers running into the goblin, but that story is not available online unless you purchase the full book of Spooky Pennsylvania, which just might be worthwhile considering all the things we could be missing from this story. But either way, no public sightings of the Goblin of Easton have been reported, to my knowledge anyway, and it remains a local urban legend. This next story comes to us from Berwick, Pennsylvania. In a forest near what is now known as the Rolling Pines Golf Course, just for placement reference, there's a spot that people often visit that has a lot of dark rumors attached to it. This place is commonly known as Witch's Triangle, but some people call it the Devil's Triangle, This is a very remote, dark area in an otherwise lively and green forest. It's weird, eerily silent, no animals pass by for fear of what will happen to them. It's always very dim and dead, and there's a palpable feeling of discomfort as soon as you step in. So, people often say that if you stand in certain areas of the forest, you'll see that the trees look almost entirely dead at the bottom, but if you look up, The trees form sort of an inward triangle, cradling you below, and all of the tops of the trees look perfectly alive. The rumored history of this place ranges quite a bit. A lot of people say local women used to retreat to these woods to practice all kinds of witchcraft. Apparently, the townspeople found out, so did their husbands, their family, etc. They were sentenced to hang in these woods, right where the path splits into two. Other people say that a nearby farmer went insane and kidnapped his family, took them to these woods, tortured them, and murdered them before hanging himself in the same spot. Now, apparently, when police found the scene, they found a bunch of animals around the area, too, that had been sacrificed. And when they went back to the farmer's house, the basement and the barn were both covered in blood. Others go so far as to say that this was a place for frequent KKK meetings where people would be hanged from the trees. And other people say that the nearby house was once an asylum or an orphanage. But I could not find much more information on either of those claims because nothing historical really seems to back that up. So rumored history is crazy, but people know that this is definitely a good place to come to see ghosts, catch some EVPs, and get pretty spooked. Some people report seeing children, strange footprints, tall men wandering through the woods, and sometimes they hear a whispering in their ear, of the word choke. One person claimed that each time they went near these woods, they would get a phone call from the number 666 They didn't detail whether or not they ever answered these calls, but if I were them, I definitely would not have. Some people have even said they've gone as far as exploring the nearby house in which this farmer supposedly lived. And back in 2010, someone with the initial of H, who conducted an exploration, They reported seeing blood splatter marks on the walls and the tub being covered in blood. They heard the faint sound of someone choking, so they left the building. So far, I didn't find any more about their experience. But I did find people who supposedly went to the house and found a noose in the basement and stole it for evidence. They said they have video proof and offer their email in return. There were more comments that said the house was torn down sometime in 2011 and suggested that police tend to watch the area pretty closely and they like to write up citations. So maybe we'll never really know what happened. But beyond that, plenty of Berwick residents have been wary of the area. What really happened there is still under speculation and some people don't even believe it. So this last little urban legend we're going to talk about today comes from Philly, Most, if not all, big cities have several forms of public transport. And Philadelphia has a pretty big system of buses around the area. But there is one specific bus that stands out. The Wandering Bus, Zero, the Bus to Nowhere. It goes by many names. People say this bus has no route, displays no destination, and does not stop to pick anyone up. The only people who can actually ride this bus are people who are extremely depressed, hopeless, and at the lowest point in their lives. So to ride this bus, you first have to find it, and then you have to literally run after it, begging to get on. Only then will the driver slow down to let you on, but he still doesn't stop. Once you're on, you'll be driven around all over the city with no definitive stop. The driver won't speak, no announcements, no destination, nothing. People say other passengers aboard don't talk to each other and you can barely see their faces. But they're just like you, sad and hoping to escape from it all. Once you've decided you've ridden long enough, you can pull the cord to be let off. But the second you leave the bus, all the memories you had of any passengers, the driver, and even the duration of the ride, they all fade away. So you could have been on that bus for minutes, days, weeks, or even years, and you never would have known. Some people say once you board this bus, you're saved from your own despair, but others think it's a bad omen. Either way, you may have ridden the bus to nowhere before, you just don't remember it. I loved talking about these urban legends. I'd never heard of any of them before I started my research, so it's really fun to uncover these little stories that are lurking around on the internet. But that's going to be it for this episode of Destination Other Side. I had a lot of fun with this one. Thank you all for listening as always. And of course, be sure to check out the other podcasts online at WCHX1055.com, goldhitswkva.com, and star967.com. Till next time, goodbye and good day to everyone in every dimension.